Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. God is so good. I want you to turn with me over to Psalms 139. I want to read some portion of Scripture there. And while you're turning there, I just want to kind of preface what we're going to talk to you a little bit about this morning. You know, every person here this morning was created by God. How many, how many knows that? <laughs> when you look at a human being, that's God's creation. Then when you look at a born-again human being, I mean, there's something different about them. The presence of God radiates, the joy of the Lord radiates, the peace of God is there in their life. But every individual, that means you, me, every person, has special gifts and talents that God's placed within you as a seed. It's in you, and it's to benefit the kingdom of God. Now, you know, I know as a young preacher when I first started growing up, <laughs> when I first started growing up, I mean when I grew, grew up and was older, and uh, uh, I, I mean, but, as, but even as a child, I, I had a call of God in my life as a child and in my early years, and, and even, even at that point, I always dreamed of being able to preach because that was back during the tent evangelist days, you know, the tent revivals and the great move of God that was happening, the great healing revival back in the uh, late 40s and the 50s. And, and uh, I, I used to dream of being able to preach to the thousands. And, uh, I, I, you know, that's, it. that's exciting, you know. But you know what? Just because a preacher doesn't get to do that doesn't mean he's not a great preacher. Amen? Now, I've had the opportunity. I thank God for the opportunity that God's given me through the years, 53 years of preaching, that we've seen good, good things happen. Uh, I've been able to speak in conferences uh, where there were several thousand people there here in America. I've been able to go overseas and have uh, crusades in uh, Nigeria, Ghana, West Africa, Kenya, and uh, other places over there that we had great Throngs of people come out. I mean, literally thousands would come out. Went down to Haiti and had hundreds, maybe not thousands there, but hundreds that filled a soccer field. And uh, the power of God moved. I mean, you know, the, the miracle, the miraculous power. And even, the, even at that, one of the highlights of one of my big crusades in Nigeria was they had a Bible college in this church. And the, the, one of the biggest highlights of that trip for me was being able to go to that Bible college and had about 30 students there, and I was able to teach them the Word of God. And the anointing of God was upon it. And did you know, now don't get scared now, but three hours went by before we even realized it. Those people were so hungry for the teaching of the Word and so hungry for the things of God. And I thank God for those times. I went to Ghana was able to speak to the parliament. I mean the parliament of Ghana. And hundreds of people in that parliament. And the Lord gave me a message for them about Esther. How that God raised her up for such a time as this. And I told them, I said, you think you were elected in this position. But no, God put you in this position. And I said, and the thing is, God will give you a work to do for this country. If you don't do it, God will raise up somebody else. That was pretty stout words for the parliament. I looked at the man that brought me, the preacher. He was the uh, 
he was a speaker or the the what not not the uh, uh, like the speaker of the house. You know, he was over over that part. He was the uh, the minority leader, and uh, the majority leader was. Uh, I don't know. They they kind of it's just like any politics. Everybody's at odds against each other, you know. And uh, but the 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 main politician there, the of the majority leadership there, he come up to me and he wouldn't even stick out his hand to meet me, you know. And he said, "You preachers from America's all alike." He said, "All you do is just come over and tell our people to to prosper." He said, "Now, what do you think about that, preacher?" <laughs> I said, Lord Jesus, give me some words. And I just let the Holy Ghost minister through me. And I said, sir, I said, you know, we have a saying in America. It may not be uh, a, a total scripture, but there are scriptures that back it up also. Uh, but I said, we have a saying in America that God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> He slapped me on the back. He said, Preacher, I like that. He said, You need, you come over to my country anytime. <laughs> he said, That's what we need. Someone to tell these people to go to work. And, you know, but God helped. But, you know, those were great times. But also, I've had great times speaking to smaller crowds and smaller people, you know, smaller congregations. And, and, uh, uh, We've seen some of the biggest miracles with only six people there. I mean, miracles take place because the power of God was there. So, you know what? We all have a gift. Every one of us have a place in the body of Christ. And what we've got to do is find out what our assignment is and let God give it to us and let God show us plainly what He's called us for. Amen? Whatever it is, God's give you the ability to do it because it's His ability in us. That's going to work. But we've all got seeds in us, and uh, we're wonderfully made by God. Now, let's read Psalms 139, and let's begin reading with verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, and you covered me in my mother's womb, and I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Thank God. Listen, God knew us before we ever got here. (laughs) Hallelujah. I I told a young lady one time, she was born out of wedlock. And she was all discouraged and down in her heart. And I told her, I said, look at me. I said, I want to tell you something. You're not an accident. No person, no human being is an accident. God saw us before we ever came to this earth. And I said, I know that you got here under some bad circumstances. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. And God's got a special plan for you. And God's got something big for you. Because, you see, we're not accidents to God. Hallelujah. We're His creation. And God wants to let us know that every one of us, I don't care where we come from, we've got gifts in us. You go, you go out here on Skid Road and you see people just uh, uh, you know, stumbling around. And, and you think, dear Lord, what, what they don't have nothing to live for. But, you know, inside them there's a seed that God put there. 
And I'll tell you what, if they get born again, they get saved, and they get transformed by the power of God, that seed can begin to blossom on the inside. That gifting, that, that ability that God's put in them can come alive. And you can see great things happen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Where we're somebody in the Lord. Can you say amen? Now, listen. You're always going to have a crisis at the curve of your change. I don't know about you, but every time we get ready to have a change in uh, our ministry or a change in geographical location, a cha- there's always a crisis that occurs. It never fails. But you know what that means? That just means I'm on target. Hallelujah. That just means the devil's upset, the devil's mad, and you know what? God created me and God created you, and whatever change is happening in your life, that, that, that crisis that's there, you might, you, know, you might as well get, you expect a crisis because that's when God shows up and God reveals His power and might and His love and His peace and His joy in your life at that point in the middle of that crisis. Can you say amen? Now, you can become, you can become a creator of your future this morning. I'm talking to all of us. Every one of us can become a creator of our future as we recognize God's gifting inside us. It's His seed. It's Him in us. Amen? And as we begin to let this come alive and we get the whole picture and see the picture as God sees it. The Scripture in Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, people perish. Now, I'm going to read that out of the Amplified Version. It just kind of amplifies it a little more. But it said, where there's no vision and no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. We're blessed when we know and see the picture that God has for us. You've heard the story of Helen Keller, blind. Someone asked her a question one time. And they said, what would be worse than being born blind? Helen Keller replied this. She said, to be able to have sight without any vision. I want want to repeat what they asked her. What would be worse than being born blind? And she said, to have sight without. Without vision. (laughs) See, people can see perfectly clear with their physical eyes, but they have no vision. A blind person can have vision on the inside and see something accomplished for the Lord. So God's got something bigger for us. Amen? There's four vision levels of people. Number one, some people never see it. I wish everybody could just see everything I see all at once, you know. I can see when some people see it, they light up like a lamp. And there's others still scratching their head, you know. <laughs> but it's exciting when they see it. But there's some people that never see it. What they are, they're called wanderers. <laughs> Number two, some people see it but never pursue it, pursue it on their own. They see it, but never go after it. They're just followers. 
Somebody can lead them astray because they can see what God wants to do. They can see what God's Word says, but somebody else can persuade them differently. And they become followers. Number three, some people see it and pursue it. And they're called achievers. I don't know about you, but I want to be an achiever for the Lord. Amen? And the fourth thing is some people see it and pursue it, and then they help others see it. You know what those are? They're leaders. It's exciting to see it and achieve what God's saying, but it's another thing to help somebody else see it because then you're becoming a leader in this situation. Hallelujah. But God's got a call in our life. Can you say amen? Now, a vision is this. It's a mental image. It's dream seeds in the heart, foreseeing. It's it. In other words, we've got to get something in our heart. We've got to know what God's Word says. Get a redemptive revelation. We're more than conquerors. In that scripture, Paul told that to Timothy. We're more than conquerors. Or told the church at Rome, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We're more than, we're more than able because we, 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 we see something in our heart. It's, it's having illuminated truth, understanding. You know, I, I don't get discouraged. I just refuse to get discouraged. Somebody said, don't you ever have discouraging events? Oh, yeah. But I refuse to let them discourage me. Because, you see, I see the big picture. I see the end of this thing. And I know that if I'm faithful, whatever God puts in my heart, I'm going to see the blessed end of it. And I'm going to be able to wake up in heaven one day and say, and hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Because we, we're, we're seeing what the Lord says and can do it. But it, it, it's, it, it's, an under, it's, it's, it's a spirit-taught truth is what revelation is. You know, you can hear the word happy and have somebody say, be happy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You will slap them upside the head sometimes, you know, because they don't know what you're going through. Don't look at me so innocent. I know. I mean, somebody comes, oh, just hang on, Brother Clarence. Keep your chin up. Better days are ahead. I said, well... You know, if you knew the day I was going through right now, you wouldn't be saying that, you know. <laughs> but but what we got to do is this. we got to get that spirit-taught truth inside of us. And that's what Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. We talked about it the other night. But I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. In other words, that's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, that we would know, that we would see, that we would have that vision, that we would have, we, we would understand what God's doing. God's doing something. God's doing something right here in this local church. He's moving and he's digging deep in the hearts of people. And God's removing some debris and some dirt and uh, some things that have hurt and wounds and and, uh, uh, you know, I told the story about the young man that had an accident and uh, a blade 
um, somebody stabbed him. It was not, wasn't actually someone tried to kill him, but it's, it stabbed him, and that blade broke off in his head. He didn't he didn't realize that the blade broke off in there. They patched him up and all of this, and but he went on for years with severe headaches, almost passing out. Finally, they did an MRI, and they saw this piece of the blade that had happened two or three years prior to that stuck in his brain. And they were able to remove that. It was causing him excruciating pain. And, and they removed that piece of metal out of his brain. And it took a few days of recovery, but he recovered, and all the pain was gone. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people today that hold a lot of pain in their heart. They hold a lot of pain. They hold a lot of grudges in their heart. They hold a lot of unforgiveness in their heart. And it's just like that blade in that man's mind. It causes pain. When you think about it, it hurts. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, when somebody says something and brings it up, it hurts. It's because that piece of that blade is still there. And if God did an MRI on our souls today, I wonder what He'd find. Is there something there that's hurting us, that's destroying us? That, that's killing us, that's, that's causing us to be in a place where there's no peace, there's no joy, and we can't be what God's called us to be. But you know what we need to do? Go under the spiritual surgery of the Holy Ghost. Let Him pluck that thing out of our heart. Hallelujah. And i tell you what, you're going to be lovely people. Hallelujah. How many remember when you first got saved? I remember when I first got saved. Well, I got saved when I was younger, but then I kind of... I wanted to be like the other kids, you know. I was in the eighth grade, and I kind of started wanting to cuss. I couldn't cuss because I didn't know any cuss words. And uh, I couldn't even be a good sinner, you know. I mean, uh, because I wasn't raised in sin. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Hey, it was hard to be a, bad, a good sinner. And, I, I mean, I tried to cuss, and I couldn't think of cuss words. And one of the young men that I was in school with, he'd just laugh. He'd say, I think you meant to say this, Clarence. That's, what, that's the word you want. I said, oh, yeah, that's it. And, but they knew that I wasn't supposed to be doing that because they knew I was different. But I was that way. I remember, listen, I went to church and we'd sit there and I'd just, and my dad'd be up there preaching. And I'd just fumble through the songbook, you know, and fumble through the songbook. I wouldn't listen to a word he was saying. My little brother was the same way. He was more rebellious than I was, you know. And uh, I'll never forget one night. My dad had a very small church. Maybe there might have been six people there that night. And uh, it was in Fairmont, West Virginia. And the Holy Ghost began to move in that place. And all of a sudden, it felt like somebody come in that bench where my in, in that pew where my brother and I were sitting, and we were fumbling through the song books, you know, and not listening. And all of a sudden, my brother stands up, and he just walked. It's like somebody ushered him out of, of that pew and up front. He went up front just bawling and a squalling. And, I mean, God got a hold of him, and I'm sitting there, what in the world got a hold of that boy? And all of a sudden, I felt that same presence just come in and just get me by the arm, and I think. What is this? You know, and I, I found myself up front. And I was a bawling and a squalling. And I was a repenting. And, and, and I mean, I felt clean inside out. The power of God, clean, the, the blood of You know, the, when the Holy Ghost convicts and the Holy Ghost draws, things are going to happen. And my dad, see, I was kind of bitter against my dad. I did, my dad used to have us all come up and stand around the front at the end. You know, that was just his way of getting people up to worship the Lord. And, and I'd get up there and I'd just stand there. I'm, out, I'm standing, but I'm, not, I'm sitting on the inside, you know. And, uh, but I, that night, I tell you what, the power of God cleansed me. 
the blood of Jesus cleansed me. The peace of God came in. And I, I loved on every, I hugged everybody, hugged my daddy, I hugged, my daddy even had tears when I was hugging him, you know. I mean, God was moving. I hugged the pole that was standing there. You know, I didn't know why, I couldn't see good through the tears. But you know, but, but, but you know, that's what God does when He transforms you, changes you. That next Monday morning, that was on a Sunday, Monday morning I went to school and that same boy that I used to hang out with, you know, he looked, he said, Clarence, there's something different about you this morning. He said, you, you, you look different in your look. There's something glowing about you. I said, well, I said, I went to church yesterday. Well, yeah, but there's something different about you. You're not even wanting to try to cuss. I said, I couldn't do that anyway, you know. But I said, I don't want to. He said, what happened? And I told him what happened. I said, I got saved. Jesus saved me. The blood of Jesus cleansed me. And this boy was raised in the Catholic Church up there in West Virginia. And, and you know what? He just smiled. He said, I'm going to get the same thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we didn't stay that much longer in Fairmont, but I, I prayed for that boy. And I believe that God's going to, I, I, I'm just believing that God got a hold of him because he saw something that day. But listen, God's got a plan. Amen? God's got a plan. There's, there's three things I want you to see this morning. To see the fulfillment of what God's plan is for your life. Number one, you've got to see the invisible. You have to see that that you don't see right now. God has a plan. God has a plan for Aubrey Faith Assembly. We've got to see beyond what we see and see the invisible. See what God has promised. See what God has said. See the invisible. You've got to look beyond the natural realm and see Him in the end results of your dream. Look at 1 Peter 1.20. I'll read it to you. But He indeed was foreordained, foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. See, God was manifest. Jesus was manifest for us. So we've got to see the invisible. Number two, you've got to choose the imperishable. Now, what does that mean? The choice we make is for eternal things. The choice we make is for the imperishable things. The choice we make is for the better and for the good. And it, it, it's imperishable things. George Mueller over in uh, England had an orphanage. And he built that orphanage by faith. He ran it by faith. He, 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 he instilled in those kids, you can trust God. God will never fail. God's your Father, and He is a, your Heavenly Father. He'll never fail you. You can put your confidence in Him. You can put your trust in Him. God will never let you down. And what George Mueller did, if you ever have a chance to read his biography and read some, his story about what God did there, I, I tell you, every day they had to believe God for their food. I'll never forget one story I read in there, and uh, the account that was given was, that the, the person that was helping him in the orphanage there said, Mr. Mueller, we don't have any food. What do we do? This was evening time. This was time for uh, the, the meal. There was nothing. There was nothing to cook, nothing to, to get out of the refrigerator, nothing to, uh, nothing to be able to put on the stove, you know. Nothing was there. 
And Mr. Bueller said, well, God is our provider. So set the table, and you seat the kids just like we always do. You see, because that morning, Mr. Mueller got up in his prayer time, and he said, Lord, now you see the situation. And we just thank you in advance for supplying every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so they set all the kids down at the table with their plates, their knives, their forks, their napkins, <laughs> their glass for, for their drink. And they, they set them all down, and still no food. And all of a sudden, they said, well, what do we do? They said, let's just bow our heads and thank God for His provisions. So they bowed their heads and thanked God for the provisions that wasn't even, it wasn't nothing manifest there, but they were thanking God for it. When they said amen to the prayer, there was a knock at the door. And they went to the door, and there was two or three people there with big boxes of food. Some of it was already pre-cooked and ready for a meal. And they said, God told us this morning to get this over to you. And we're sorry we didn't get here earlier, but we, we made I hope we're not too late. And Mr. Mueller said, no, you're just on time. We just uttered the amen to the prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But what he did, he instilled something in those kids that was that they can see God move. You can trust God. Amen. This morning, you can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God that God's going to see you through that dark time. You can trust God that God is going to take care of what the enemy's trying to do to destroy you. God's working on our behalf. And so we we got to look and see the imperishable. Amen. Choose the imperishable. Choose those things that are eternal. I mean, thank God for what we have. Be content. That's what Pat was teaching this morning. Be content with all things that you have. Just be content. As we're content, God supplies and God does what's necessary and what's needed. Amen? Number three, you've got to learn to do the impossible. Hmm. You've got to do some things. You've got to see beyond the natural realm and take the giant leap of faith and see God perform supernaturally the promises to fulfill. Now, over in Joshua, the sixth chapter, see, this is what vision is. You've got to see it like God sees it. Now, you remember the story there of Joshua after they came over and they, the children of Israel had wandered 40 more years in the wilderness because of their unbelief and, and uh, the devil had magnified his power and strength to them and, and they were believing it and the people were believing it. And, and so now then, here we, here we are. Uh, Joshua is now the leader after Moses has went on to be with the Lord. Joshua is the leader. They've entered in and their first city their first city that they have to conquer is Jericho. Jericho was a walled city that was known in throughout that region and throughout that area of its strength. Nobody could penetrate those walls. Nobody could come and overtake that 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 the, the armies of Jericho. They were they were protected by these walls that were wide enough for chariot races. Double walls. I mean, there's no way in the natural that a person could penetrate, even with all any heavy artillery that they may have had. But Joshua was standing there, and he was up on the mountain praying like he should have been. Praise God. And the angel of the Lord shows up, 
And you know what, you know what Joshua does? Joshua said, you farce or against us? Now, isn't that, isn't that about the way we act sometimes? God sends an answer to you. Are you for me or against me? You know, if you've got a smile, you're for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the angel of the Lord said, I am the Lord of hosts. Take off your shoe. And God's going to be with you and you're going to overtake Jericho. Then over in Joshua, the sixth chapter, as you begin to read down, and this is what the, the Lord spoke to Joshua. And these are the words. See, I have given this city into thy hand. He started off with see, S-E-E. See. I have given this city into your hand. Listen, it didn't look like that city was in anybody's hands because they were a well-walled city. But he said, see. Now, that word see is in the past, present, perfect tense in the English language. And I'm not, English was my favorite subject, by the way, when I was in high school. Isn't that amazing? But I enjoyed it. But, uh, and it's always been intriguing to me. And it's, it's helped me out now as I do writing in books and things. But, but, but it said, see. Now, that's a past, present, perfect tense. Means past. I've already done it. Present. He's our very present help in the time of trouble right now. And perfect means he'll keep on doing it. We've got to see it like God sees it. We've got to see that God is a God of deliverance. God's a God of victory. God's got... To, listen, I don't care what kind of wall it is. It's going to come down. You've got to see it like God sees it. See. See. <laughs> Amen. But I've given. Now, Abraham had to perceive what God had received. Remember when Abraham had Isaac, the promised child? Isaac was a young man now. And uh, the Lord spoke to Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Strange thing for God to do, but that's God. God is God. Amen? And so... Abraham got his men, and they journeyed, three days' journey, and he, he said, now, y'all stay here. Uh, I don't know if he was texting or not, but, I, but that's what I would have said. Y'all stay here. But he said, you stay here with the stuff. My son and I, Isaac and I, are going to go to a certain mountain and worship the Lord. That was the words that Abraham told his men. We're going to a certain mountain that God's told me of, and we're going to worship the Lord, and we shall return. Now, is that faith talk? Hallelujah. I, 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 some of our talk, if we, if we ran a recorder in our house and, and could record everything back that day, what you said, dear Lord, we'd be scared. I mean, all the negative stuff that comes out and all the the fearful stuff that comes out and all, all, all listen, we, we done put ourselves in a pickle already in, in, in half a day. But Abraham said, we shall return. We're going to worship the Lord. He said, we're going to worship the Lord. So on the way up the mountain, you know the story. <laughs> Isaac is helping carry the, the wood for the altar. 
He's, he's trying to get everything up there with his daddy. And Isaac looks over at his dad. He said, Dad? He said, here's the wood. Here's the staves. He said, but where is the sacrifice? You know what Abraham told him? Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. God will provide. Now, when you begin to study out in the Hebrew the words, different words for Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, and then where he said God will provide, what, what, what it's saying in the literal sense of that is see it like God sees it. See it like God sees it. Abraham was telling Isaac, son, you got to see it like God sees it. Now, we're going to offer the sacrifice, and we're going to come back down this mountain after we worship the Lord there. Well, they got up there, and there was no sacrifice. But Isaac knew his father knew God, and he said, see it like God sees it. And Abraham strapped him to the altar, raised the knife even. Now, the Bible said over in Hebrews 11th chapter, by faith Abraham offered up his son Isaac on the altar, knowing that God was able to raise him from the dead, even if he slayed him. See, what, what he was doing, he was worshiping the Lord, and God was going to God was going to still keep his word and Abraham knew God was a God of His Word. And he said, if God says it, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to see it like God sees it. And therefore, we know that if even if I slay my son, God will raise him up. But he didn't have to. The angel of the Lord yelled out, Abraham, Abraham! <laughs> and there was a rustle over in the, in the bushes there. And there was the ram caught in a thicket. Because God provided See as God sees it. See, the thing, the, what God has wanted us to do this morning is get a hold of this vision. <laughs> get a hold of the vision. Know that God isn't going to let anything die. Hallelujah. God's Word will prevail in the midst of it all. Can you say amen? So Abraham had to perceive what God said. Now listen, God doesn't create failures. God doesn't create a church to be a failure. God doesn't create you to be a failure. Failure is not an event, but it's an opinion. Hallelujah. Sometimes we think, I know this one preacher, he... D.L. Moody was going through a period in his life, and and uh, he he was he was just needing the Lord. And this preacher was going through a, a time in his life where things weren't going so strong. And D.L. Moody was a shoe salesman. And this this man, this preacher, shared Jesus with this shoe salesman. That shoe salesman received the Lord. D.L. Moody. He became one of the greatest evangelists and ministers of modern time. Moody Bible Institute's named after him. But because one man just did what God said do, he wasn't a failure. 
Some people will say, well, he's just a little has-been preacher out there walking the streets, and he just talked to somebody about Jesus, you know. No, no. God directed him to a man that was going to do great things for God. Hallelujah. Just like Saul of Tarsus. He was killing people, and the Lord spoke and told Ananias to go over to a certain place where Saul was after Saul met the Lord. And he said, I want you to lay hands on him that he might receive his sight and receive the Holy Ghost. i got great things for that man to do. Now, I imagine the first thing that went through Ananias' mind was, Dear Lord, no. I mean, he just got through killing people. He stood there while Stephen was stoned. And you want me to go in there and hug him? And lay hands upon him? But no, he didn't say that. Ananias went to the door where Paul was. And Saul received him. And Ananias gave the word, prayed for him. He received his sight and received the Holy Ghost, and the story of Paul the Apostle we all know. Became one of the greatest soul winners and the apostles of our time. And we're still, this whole New Testament nearly is about the Pauline epistles of the gospel, the revelation that God gave him out on the Arabian desert after he left there and went out there all by himself for three and a half years. God spoke to him and revealed himself to him. And the word of God and the revelation came alive of the cross. Thank God for it. Amen? But failure is not an event. It's an opinion. Sometimes people think, you know, bless your little heart. You haven't done much. Well, you know what? If you've got one person that say, there's a little church in Mounds, Oklahoma. A good friend of mine came out of that church, Dr. Ron Smith. And Brother Smith was part of the group that came out of that little church. That little church, it never got over 125 people. As far as attendance, it had been there for years and years and never really got above that. But you know what that little church did? It's still going, by the way. But out of that church, there's over 500 pastors, evangelists, missionaries, and teachers out in the, in the body of Christ. So failure is just an opinion. Some people say, well, they didn't, they're not a mega church. They didn't, they didn't ever get over 100 people. You know, what do they do? Well, hey, if we send out 10 preachers out of this place, we're doing good. Amen? Praise God. Missionaries, evangelists, whatever God's called out of here. So failure cannot happen in your life without your permission. I'm not going to fail because I'm not going to permit myself to fail. I'm going to do God's will. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what God says to do. And you're going to come along with me. Amen? And we're going to do it together. And so it, it, failure will only last as long as you permit it. And listen, Satan cannot linger where he's firmly resisted. Hallelujah. Resist the devil, the Bible says, and he will flee from you. So when we stand firmly resisting the devil, well, the devil just can't stay around. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes we get frustrated because we're trying to force things to happen on our timetable. God's got His timetable. Amen. We can't tell God when. We just have to be available. So, as we're available for the Lord, we're going to see God do mighty things in our lives. And we know that all things are possible to him that believes. How many is a believer this morning? 
Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said in another place, I'm ready for anything. Uh, on that Philippians 4.13 in the Amplified, I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through Christ who infuses his strength into my inner man. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm ready for anything. I'm equal to anything. Praise God. Through the power of Christ. That's why he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We just got to get a hold of that vision. I am what God says I am. I possess what God says I possess. And I can do what God says I can do. And that same phrase is for you and you and you and you and everybody in here this morning. Amen? Because God can do it. Now, vision dominates our life. What we see dominates. I want, I want to just give these brief things to you real quickly. Number one, looking backward arrests pro- progress. It stops progress when you look backwards. Remember Lot's wife? When they come out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and she was leaving all of her precious things, of the material things and all of that, and she looked back, and the Lord said, don't look back. And she looked back. I want to tell you something. Don't look back this morning. God's brought you this far. You've come this far by faith. So don't look back. I want, God wants us, he, he wants us to just keep on looking forward. Come on. <laughs> We're getting out. Listen, let it burn up. Let the past burn up. Let everything, let it go. Don't keep hanging on to it. Just let it go and go forward. Because looking backward arrests progress. Looking towards Christ saves. When we look toward Jesus, we save. Moses made a serpent of brass and put it up on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, that when he beheld the serpent of of brass, he lived. In other words, when they looked at that brazen serpent that Moses put up there, that was signifying Christ himself. And they lived if they were bitten. Praise God. So, look in Christ. Looking at difficulties depresses you. Hmm. Peter. Remember when they was in the boat and the water was, the storm come up and they was being tossed to and fro and, and Jesus came walking on the water that night in the middle of the storm and they thought it was a ghost. And Peter, I, I like Peter. Listen, he was quick at the mouth, quick at the trigger. <laughs> but I, I like him. He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come walk on the water like you. Jesus said, come on. So Peter stepped out of the boat onto the water, the stormy waves that he could have drowned in. But he stepped out. What did he step out on? The Word. He stepped out on the Word. Jesus said, come. He stepped out on that Word, come. And he moved out there on the water. And he was walking on top of the very thing that could destroy him, just like Jesus was walking. Then all of a sudden he got his eyes off of Jesus. And the Bible says he saw the waves tempt us and the storms, the winds raging, and he was afraid, and he he began to sink. I've never seen anybody begin to sink. If I get in the water, I just... (laughs) But he began... Listen, you don't backslide overnight. You don't lose your faith overnight. 
you begin to backslide. You begin to lose your faith. You begin to let go. But the same man that was in the boat said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come out on the water with me. And then that same man that was sinking in the water, he didn't wait and said, Lord, if it be you. He said, Lord, save me. He got a revelation. Jesus is the Lord. And God, the Lord reached down and picked him up. And they walked back to the boat. Listen. Don't look at difficulties because you're going to sink. Amen? When you look heavenward, you're going to be glorified like Stephen was. He'd been full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly. He was able to endure the, the stoning because he looked up steadfastly and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. That old song, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Amen. Jesus is there. Amen. What we see is the result of our outcome. So we just need God to open our eyes. We need spiritual vision. We need God to show us what He wants us to see. Like Hagar. Remember Hagar? The one that Abraham went into when Sarah got him to go into her and, and Ishmael was produced. And because of her calling on the Lord, see, even though she was there, she knew who God was. And God intervened. And God let her see where am I at here? In Genesis twenty one nineteen, he opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water. Why? Because she saw. She saw. And God listen, we gotta see we gotta see beyond where we are. We gotta see beyond where we are. Elisha's servant, they were circled with enemy coming around them. And Elisha said, what do you see? He said, I don't see nothing. <laughs> he said, I see the army. We're going to perish. You know what Elijah did? He just reached over and he just laid his hands on his servant's eyes and said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. Open his eyes that he might see. Listen, you know what we got to do sometimes when our family members, they get all desperate and all in an upheaval and all worried and all doubtful and all fearful and they're in a frenzy. You know, just just go up there quietly and lay hand. Lord, open their eyes that they might see. Amen? Open their eyes that they might see. You know what I want to do? I, what we pray, we pray for every one of you that God open our eyes that we might see. God's will will be done. Amen? God's will will be accomplished. No man can stop the plan of God. No man can stop what God's going to do and what He is doing. No person can do that. Why? Because they're not coming against you or me or this church. They're coming against God. God will see to it that it's done. Amen? So we, we just got we to gotta see. Elijah said, open his eyes. And his eyes were open. And talking about Moses, by faith he forsook Egypt. In Hebrews eleven twenty seven, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who's invisible. Praise God. We we gotta see the impossible things that God's gonna do. 
Hallelujah. Let them think you're crazy. I don't care. I mean, when I went to the bank that time to get the money to build a new building, you know, and we, we, we had all the financial statement there, everything was there. We had more than enough money coming in, and that banker just didn't like me. He said, get out of here, brother. He didn't call me brother Clarence. He said, get out. He said, we're not going to build your church. You ain't got no clout. I said, well, okay. I just gathered it up. And I said, you know what? We don't need your money. We don't want your money. My secretary will be down here Monday morning, and she'll close out every account we've got. <laughs> Go on, brother. Go on, preacher. Go on. I said, no. And I said, we're going we're to pay cash for this building. God's going to pay for it. Oh, go on, man, go on. Well, Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock, he calls and said, Preacher, can you call your people and tell them to quit break, taking their money out of my bank? He said, They're cashing in CDs and all these certificates of deposit as far and taking the penalties and going to another bank. I said, Well, they got pretty good clout, don't they? Hallelujah. You know what God did? In a year and a half, God raised almost $600,000 cash to build the building. Paid for, completed, done, all the way. And you know what our biggest gift was? $10,000. That was the biggest gift we ever received was a $10,000 gift. The rest of it came from all those people that said, we can do it. We can do it. It's kind of like that little... Little choo-choo train. We can make it. We can make it. We can do it. We can do it. And you know, we we and they and uh, they'd bring in their fifty. They'd bring in their fifteen. They'd bring in their ten. Then then we had a revelation. The gold was up at a high amount at that time. We had people start bringing in gold, and we started cashing in the gold. And God just brought in. The, listen, God did it. It was a testimony to that whole community, that city, that the, the builder that I hired to to be the overseer. He was a building contractor there in town. He was a Methodist man, and he 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 just come by, and he he went down. He was on city council. He would go to he'd go to the city council. He said, "Man, this is the most fun job I've ever had in my entire life." He said, "This is the fun." He said, I "Don't know what I can spend until Monday morning when I get there." But you know what? We did it. God did it, as people obeyed the Lord. And listen, we just got to get the vision. Amen. See what God says. Do what God says. Be what God says you can be. And let, let God's Word become reality in our life. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. God still does miracles. I'm looking for miracles. I'm looking for physical miracles. I'm looking for financial miracles. I'm looking for spiritual miracles. We're going to see loved ones that are that seem like they're just going the other direction. God's going to get a hold of them and bring them back in. God's going to reel them back in because of the Spirit of God. Listen, God's promised us our household. And we can get a hold of that vision and say, Lord, I believe it. I believe it. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word's truth. Lord, nothing's impossible with you. God, we just receive what your word says we can have. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Could we sing a chorus before we leave this morning? It's an old chorus. And it's really simple. It says, only believe. All things are possible. Amen. And I want you to get your mind on one thing that you need God to do supernatural in your life right now. Surely God's a supernatural God. God didn't show you that vision for nothing. Praise God. God's a supernatural God. We're going to see God do what He said He would do. Well, it's only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Listen, get your mind on that one thing you need God to do right now. Whatever it is, physical, spiritual, family matters. Well, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. All things are possible. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. All things are possible. Lord, I... Now lift your hand and sing this part of it. Lord, I receive. Lord, I receive. Lord, I receive. All things are possible, Lord, I receive, Lord, I receive, Lord, I receive, all things are possible, Lord, I Now just thank God for doing what we're asking Him to do. Lord, we thank You. Lord, we're going to start seeing it by faith. We're going to receive it by faith. And we're going to see the manifestation of it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, let's stand our feet today. and I'll tell you what, we're going to be here tonight at 6 o'clock. And we thank God for all the Facebook family that's with us every service. And... Come on back with us. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's just stand. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brother Valentine, would you dismiss us today in prayer?